All right, appreciate that song, Phil. Glad everyone's here tonight. Braved the white death to be here. Got your Bible, get to 1 John chapter 2. I'm glad that Jesus' blood can wash even the vilest sinner clean. And uh, it's amazing how complicated the Bible can be and how many things we don't understand when we read the Bible. And then at the same time, there's so many things in the Bible that are so simple and so easy to understand and so life-changing that we could spend all our time just talking about those things and uh, not even begin to scratch the surface of what God has done. Uh, but we're going to uh, jump right into 1 John chapter 2. Uh, let's go ahead and stand together for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to start in verse number 7. The Bible says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because uh, ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated. So John, uh, the Apostle John spent three and a half years with Jesus himself, and I'm sure had plenty of opportunity after Jesus even ascended for God to teach him even more things. He was with Jesus, and the world itself could not contain the books of the things that Jesus did here on earth. And yet, here we have him in 1 John starting out this portion of Scripture by saying that he's not writing them anything new. He's not writing to them about something that is unheard of. He's not giving them any kind of new revelation. He's actually reminding them of an old commandment. Something that's very familiar to them, and uh, this is very familiar to us too, because this is basic Christianity, right? We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love our fellow believers. And I find it very interesting, uh, just this passage as, as, I, as I came across it uh, here recently, and uh, I, I kind of studied it out, and uh, uh, the Lord uh, spoke to me about a number of things, and uh, I just kind of wanted to go over some of those things with you this evening. So, uh, Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, kind of a spoiler, we're not, uh, you're not going to learn anything. There's no, uh, I'm not going to extract anything from the Bible that you've never heard before, because what this passage is talking about is our need to love one another. And so, uh, the first thing, this is not a difficult command, this is not a new command. Uh, this was uh, an old command in the sense that John's readers had known it, right? They had uh, heard it all the way from the time that Jesus was here on earth. It was uh, something that was new in the sense that Christ embodied this in a way that no one else had embodied before Christ came. And uh, this was something that uh, all Christians knew they were supposed to do, and it's not something difficult for us to understand today, 
but it's a very difficult thing for us to practice, right? It's very easy for us to look down the uh, row of the people that we're sitting next to and say, yeah, I love the people of God, but when we look across the room at the person that we don't necessarily like very much, uh, this passage applies to that person, not the person that's easy to love. Right? And so we need to be reminded of this uh, difficult-to-follow command that is very familiar to us. And uh, this is actually a very uh, it's a, uh, deceptive concept as well. Right? Uh, it's a simple command that we understand and we've known for a long time if you've been saved. And really, I think that people, when they get saved, they kind of intuitively know they're supposed to love the people of God. Though it's not a difficult command to understand, it's a very difficult command to follow. And if we look down at verse 9, it says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness. Right? So there are a lot of spiritually minded people, and I say that as we often uh, characterize ourselves as being spiritually minded, but at the same time, in our hearts, we harbor animosity towards a fellow believer. And the Bible here tells us that if we do so, we are not in the light, but we are walking in darkness. Not only is it deceptive, it's a, a, a concept that is deceiving. It's a, a cause of stumbling as well. Look at verses 10 and 11. It says, He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Did you know that you and your faith will be weakened if you have animosity towards a brother or sister in Christ? Right? This is something that is a big deal to God. There is mu- much of this book actually deals with the concept of loving one another. We don't have time to go through the entire book. I want to focus mostly on this particular passage. But there are a lot of people who stumble in their faith because of poor relationships with other believers. Most people, when they choose a church, don't choose a church because of the doctrine, though they should. Most people choose a church because either they have relationships with the people there, or even worse, they, uh, their kids have relationships with the people at the church. Pick at a church because your kids like it. Right? Uh, pick at a church because your kids like the people there. Right? Uh, that's, that's just human nature, and if you came here for that reason, I'm, uh, we're obviously glad you're here, and we hope you stay. But uh, you know, we, we, we have to understand that people, when they're not thinking spiritually, they're picking a church and a group of people to be around based on the relationship with those people. And when we have poor relationships with other believers, that is an opportunity for Satan to cause us to stumble and fall on our faith. Satan desires more than anything else to alienate God's people from other, uh, other believers and alienate people from churches, and he does so via conflict among God's people. I am not so, so naive as to think that there are not people that you, just, that, that you yourself dislike here today. Right? Because nobody's perfect. Right? We, because we're imperfect people, we're always going to have conflict with somebody. Right? One thing that I've been very amazed at, uh, and as I've become a parent, uh, our oldest son's four, and uh, we've got a newborn also. But uh, before I was a parent, I never understood people who, you know, just kind of had it out for one another because their kids uh, in the nursery didn't get along. Or uh, your, you took your kid to nursery sick and got my kid sick, and so I'm just mad at you for that. Right? You know, we, we find all kinds of reasons to be upset at each other. Right? Uh, that guy makes more money than I do. So you just kind of have a, just this underlying animosity towards him. You can't be happy for somebody who's doing well. You just got to, we, we, just this human jealousy just naturally comes out of us. And 
We, we have all kinds of reasons to have uh, ill will towards someone. And uh, the Bible here just reminds us we're supposed to love the brethren. We're supposed to love one another. It's not difficult to understand. It's difficult to practice. It was difficult to uh, practice then just as it is now. And the reason that I was uh, particularly drawn to this passage uh, in, in verses 12-14 through 14, uh, John goes into, uh, just it seems like he deviates from the topic that he's talking about, but as I kind of studied it, uh, I, I kind of look at it as a, you know, sort of a parenthesis between you know, his admonition to love one another, and then after uh, this, th- these verses, he says to uh, love not the world. And so uh, I, I think these verses uh, give us some added insight as to how we can best follow the command to love one another. And in these verses, he uh, breaks the believers into three different groups of people, right? He has uh, little children, young men, and fathers, right? And so this is, and, and by the way, ladies, this is not just something that is written to men, right? Uh, I, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to intentionally make an extreme statement here, but I think that uh, among ladies, it's a particularly difficult sometimes to love one another, right? Right? Uh, Men have the same problem, but I, I feel like a lot of times all of us need to be reminded of this, so it's not just for the men. This is for ladies also. We're supposed to love one another, and we're broken into three different groups. There's the, young, there's the little children, there's young men, and then there are fathers. And in the book of 1 John, he often addresses all of the believers as little children. Right. So if you look, uh, look, look just look back in the same chapter in verse 1. Uh, he says, my little children, these things I run unto you that you sin not, right? So I don't think that he's just speaking to new believers in verse 1 when he says, my little children, right? Uh, in verse 18, he warns of Antichrist. In verse 28 of the same chapter, he, 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 he calls the, all believers little children. In uh, chapter 3, verse 7, and just, these are just a few of the instances in this book. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. But... In this particular passage, because he adds the designation of young men and fathers, I believe that he is talking to a group of new believers when he says, little children, write, I, uh, I write unto you little children. Right? And it also makes sense uh, if you, well, let's just reread these just before I get too far into it. Uh, verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because ye have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. So another reason why I particularly believe that he's talking to young believers here is because he says, I have written to little children, and he never says, I have written to the little children because they're newer believers. So he says, I have written to fathers, I have written to young men, but he doesn't say, I have written to little children. And so just kind of an extra little thing I thought was interesting, you know, he's writing to younger believers when he's talking to little children here. And I think that when we consider this particular passage and his admonition to love one another, uh, each group of people, I think, struggles to love one another for different reasons and we all jump back and forth in our spiritual life when we're acting like a new believer or uh, when we might act in a more mature way as a father would act 
And so uh, we're going to look at uh, the three people that he addresses here uh, in just a moment. The differing messages to little children, young men, and fathers show that loving one, uh, loving one another is possible and essential for all believers. Right? Uh, I, I think that a lot of times, uh, especially young people who are younger in their faith, just kind of hold off on loving everybody, and we love the people that we want to love. But I think part of the reason why he added this Spe- uh, these specific messages to uh, little children, young men, and to fathers is because this is something that everybody can do. You don't have to achieve a certain level in your Christian life before you can uh, begin to expect yourself to love others. And you also can never reach a place in your Christian life, uh, achieve a plateau of sorts, to where you no longer have to worry about this commandment. No matter how mature you get in your faith, you still are going to struggle to love other believers like you should. And I think as we grow and mature in our faith, the expectation for how much we love others actually only continues to grow. And so, let's look at little children first. And again, like I said, uh, he's addressing all believers at some points in the book, but particularly here when he says, uh, I write unto you little children, I think he's addressing newer believers. So, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven, forgiven you for his name's sake. And so, uh, we've been forgiven of sin, right? Uh, We're forgiven not because of the merits that we have, not because of our name's sake, we're forgiven for His name's sake, right? That's something that's really, uh, that that I think some people do struggle with when they get saved. They struggle to, 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 to feel like they actually have salvation because they look at themselves and say, man, there's no way that God could possibly forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. And then on the other side of the ditch, I think some people who kind of a little more uh, tend to be a little more prideful might say, you know what, uh, I've been forgiven because I deserve God's forgiveness. Those are definitely signs of spiritual immaturity, wouldn't you agree? We don't forgive others because they deserve it. We forgive others for Jesus' name's sake. Right? That's what Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Right, So we're commanded to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Right, And if you look uh, uh, excuse me, down at the end of verse 13, we, we see his kind of second, uh, the, the second portion that he's written to little children. It says, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. So he says, I, have write, uh, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So we're forgiven because of Jesus' name, not because of ours. And then later he says, I run into you little children because ye have known the Father. Right? So uh, we all have adequate knowledge of the Father in order to forgive somebody. We all have enough knowledge, if, even if you got saved yesterday, you have a relationship with God that allows you and empowers you to be able to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Knowing the Father is enough. You may not know Him as, as one who the Bible describes as a father knows Him, but you have sufficient understanding and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that allows you to forgive as Christ forgives. Right? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying being a father. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, most of you guys know Ben. He's four. And uh, I remember the first time he put my shoes on and was walking around 
the house. Eva's done the same thing. Uh, Jade has not yet done that. She doesn't walk yet. But, uh, you know, they, they, kid, kids have a way of imitating us. And uh, I'm, I'm not go- obviously, they've imitated me sometimes, and it's, it, their imitation of me is embarrassing sometimes. Right? Uh, he's, already, he's already, like, mocked the way that I say things sometimes, which we, we kind of get after him for doing that. We don't want him to do that. Right? Hopefully he doesn't do that to his master club teacher or something like that. Well, to get called in for a parent meeting, and uh, that, that wouldn't be good. But a chi- uh, 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 ch- children often imitate their parents, even though, you know, e- even though Ben and Eva don't know everything about me, they just know I'm their father, and they just, they just like to imitate me. Right? Uh, as, as believers, even if you're a brand new believer, you know enough about the Father, you know that He's forgiven you of your sins, you have a relationship with Him, and uh, I hope that you just can't help but want to be like Jesus. We don't need a PhD in theology to know and understand and obey the command to love our fellow believers. Is the love of God not the best known aspect of God, uh, attribute of God in our society today? The grace of God, the forgiveness of God, those are things everybody talks about all the time. Uh, that's what the lukewarm church only focuses on. We should be able to forgive others too because that's who God is. And if we're trying to be like Him, we should be able to do that. New believers are not exempt from following this command or He would not have addressed them. Right? So there's not a person under the sound of my voice that has any excuse before God to have conflict with a brother or sister in Christ. To have any animosity whatsoever towards somebody who's a Christian. And I, would, and I would actually take that beyond just loving Christians. We're supposed to love everybody as Jesus loved others. And so we have no reason whatsoever to harbor bitterness and animosity towards somebody no matter what they've done to us because we're supposed to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. He doesn't just address little children though. He also addresses the young men. He says, uh, I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Right? The group of young men that, that is being addressed, I, 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 like to, I, I describe them as those who are beginning to mature in their faith. Right? Uh, little children are new believers, and young men are those who have uh, be, uh, passed beyond the uh, basics of their faith and have began to mature, and they've begun to see victory in their spiritual life. They've begun to overcome the wicked one. That's something that a lot, uh, many Christians never get to that point. It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with, he, he describes us as having overcome the wicked one. It's a thought for another time, but uh, this, is, this kind of describes the maturing process of a believer. And so if you're not seeing victory over Satan, you're not maturing in your, in your faith. Amen. But he's written to the young men. All, he, he writes to the young men who's overcome the wicked one. And uh, there in the next verse he says, I have written to you, young men, because you're strong, and the Word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. He says it twice. And I just thought that was interesting. That's that's kind of the initial thing that drew me to this passage is that his message to the fathers and his message to the young men, there's there's strong similarities between that. And I I kind of wondered to myself, why why would he do that? Why would he purposely go out of his way to make note of this? And really what it is, it just shows us 
again, it proves to us that God is unchanging in what He wants us to do as believers. It's an old commandment. It's not a new commandment. It's a message that He's written to them before, and He's writing it to them again. Overcome the wicked one. We're supposed to fight against our sin, and through Christ we can see victory. He has written to the young men, says that they're strong. Right? And you know, when we see the word young and then we see the word strong, we associate young and strong with physical strength. But I don't think that's what the Bible's referring to here. It doesn't take physical strength to defeat the devil in your life. This is strong in faith. Right? So regardless of what your age is, you can be strong in faith and overcome the wicked one. Right? There's some teenagers and even some kids who are seeing victory over Satan. And there are some adults in here who you've been saved for years and you've, it's been a long time since you've seen some victory in your life over sin and Satan. Amen. Overcoming the wicked one is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of strength. Strength of faith allows us to endure difficult times and accomplish what could not be accomplished through our flesh, our, our flesh alone. Physical strength never makes up for a lack of spiritual strength. Think of Samson. I mean, if he, w- he had all the physical strength someone could possibly have, but it was his absence of spiritual strength that brought him down. The wicked one causes many to stumble in their faith, many to believe that they are strong because of their physical strength, or uh, it causes many to believe that they're strong in their Lord. Uh, and what he does is he blinds us to this command here, and causes us allow and causes us to walk in darkness. Right? There's a lot of Christians who are zealous in their faith, and we've got all kinds of courage to stand up to the sin of our society and the sins of others and the sins that people struggle with that we've gotten victory over, but we won't stand up to our own lack of love for one another. We won't stand up to our own lack of love for those who are not like us. We won't stand up to our own lack of Christ-likeness in ourselves. And it's a way that Satan deceives us. Because earlier in the passage, we just read that if we say that we walk in the light and we hate our brother, we walk in darkness, we're deceived. You can have uh, some spiritual accomplishments, but if you're failing in the area of loving one another, you're walking in darkness. Part of what I found interesting in that John highlighted that they've overcome the wicked one, he said it twice. It's very easy for us to bypass the fact that we're always in a spiritual battle. As new believers, there's a certain level of zeal that we have for following the Lord and for just doing what's right and learning more about the Bible that as time goes on, that zeal can begin to fade if we're not careful. And as we see victory in our Christian life over sin, we kind of need to be reminded that there's still more battles to come. He's written to the young men who've overcome the wicked one, and he's writing to them again because, there's, because they've overcome the wicked one, and they're going to have to do it again. The fight with Satan never ends. The longer you're a Christian, the longer you're in a battle against Satan in your flesh. Many grow weary in the battle. Right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I get sick of my besetting sins. I get sick of my own laziness. 
my own lack of character, my own lack of spiritual interest, my flesh, and uh, my, my, uh, the, those things getting the best of me. And even though there have been victories in the past, there's still more things that have to be fought against. And that can be very tiresome. Right? We can grow weary in the battle and stop fighting against sin. We can become weary of the battle also and decide that, you know, hey, I'm looking for something different in my Christian life. Uh, I, don't, I don't really worry about if I have conflict with this person over here because they're not really that associated with me or I don't really, it's not really a big deal if I don't like this person because, uh, you know, uh, they did this to me and, you know, I don't feel like, you know, making the effort to make things better. We've become weary of the battle and it causes us to be unprofitable. It causes us to be uh, away from God and uh, it causes us to walk in darkness. John has written to the young men because they're strong and the battle is still going and God does not give us strength that we won't have to use. Whatever strength you possess, whatever faith you possess, God did not give that to you so that you can come to church on Wednesday night as just this memorial of, uh, of God's grace, though, uh, you know, though that might be you in, in some way or another. You still have to use that strength. You still have more to do. You still have more things that God wants you to do. Maturing believer... A young man with spiritual strength. This applies in every area of the Christian life. We're supposed to be overcoming the wicked one. Right? God's given us the strength to do that. We should do it. Right? But uh, we, we kind of, uh, if we overlook the placement of, this, of these verses in the passage, we overlook the importance of loving one another that uh, this book, that, that the book of John, that 1 John has. Right? It is very important to God that we love one another. He's written about it in the past, and He's writing about it again here. We need to love one another and use our strength to do so. You may have the strength to stand against the sins of others, but do you have the strength and the faith to seek to end whatever conflict that you have with someone else? To seek peace with all men? To live peaceably, even with those of a different political party? I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I think Jesus would care what, what goes on with politics, but I don't think that He would just write everybody who doesn't agree with Him politically off. Say there's no hope for them. So I'm, I, I have, I'll be honest, I have a hard time with that. It's like, I, it's like I, I know God can save anybody. I don't, I, he's going to have a lot of work to do there. He had a lot of work to do with you and I though too. We have just as much sin as they do. And uh, interestingly enough, a lot of the things the Bible describes as God hating are the things that believers do uh, a lot of. And so um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of let that one lie for a while. But uh, so we have a message to little children, we have a message to young men, and then we arrive at a message to. Fi- oh, excuse me, I, I, I skipped one part. So this, this is actually really important. So we talked about I have written to young men because you've overcome the wicked one. He, has all uh, I have written to young men because you're uh, because you've overcome the wicked one it says because they're strong and so understand uh, he also says there in verse number fourteen I writ- I have written to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abideth in you so why do you think 
maturing believers are strong. The source of our strength is the Word of God abiding in us. And we cannot overlook that. I'm sorry, I almost skipped that part, but you'll never be strong without the Word of God in you. You'll never grow spiritually without the Word of God. Someone who's a little child in your faith, you will not mature until you get more of the Bible in your heart. If you're struggling in the battle against the wicked one, you will only grow in strength as you grow in the Word of God. I know that that's a very simple thing for us to understand. This is, Like I said, I'm not giving you anything new. There's no groundbreaking Bible teaching or groundbreaking or life-altering uh, you know, truth that we're going to pull out of here. It's you, you, you add the Word of God to your life and you're going to be strong in the Lord. Our source of strength is the Word of God abiding in us. Then uh, lastly, we have the message to fathers. That's the last group that he addresses here. And it has nothing to do with your age. Though I'm so thankful for for some of our seniors who just have been faithful for their entire life, and I I hope to be there someday. But those who are mature in faith, those are the the fathers he's, he's referring to. Like I said, it has nothing to do with your age or how long you've been saved. It has everything to do with where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Those who are fathers are believers of stability and strength. They're experienced believers. They're trained. They're proven. But here, John highlights their knowledge. And the message to the fathers that he has written is the same that he's writing here. It says, I've written to you fathers because you've known Him that is from the beginning. You've known Him that is from the beginning. He doesn't highlight any other areas of knowledge. He doesn't highlight uh, their knowledge of other doctrines or their, uh, you know, their accomplishments in ministry. He simply highlights their knowledge of God. They've known Him that is from the beginning. First um, Corinthians chapter two verse two. Uh, this Paul says, "For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." A mature believer is focused on the Savior first and foremost. Unlike the child, they know Him well, though. New believers know that they are forgiven of their sins, but a mature believer knows God from every side. They learn more of Him as they stand for Him. They have fellowship with Him. And see Him as He's been revealed from the beginning. And I think that this message to fathers, especially when we consider how we're supposed to love one another, I think as fathers, as mature believers, there's a, a, a seriousness that comes with this task and an a, a opportunity for leadership to be displayed by those who are mature in their faith to show love for one another and to love those who are not like them. I don't know about you, uh, those of you who've known me for a long time, you, if, if you knew me as a teenager, as a you know, early 20s adult, I did not have a lot of patience for people not doing what they were supposed to do. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that makes you think less of me, but you know, I, 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 and, and even, even with very little information or knowledge of you know, what's going on behind the scenes in people's lives, it's like, they didn't come on Wednesday night. They're a bunch of slackers. They, they must not love the Lord. Right? Yeah, that, 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 that attitude is not right. 
That's not an attitude. That's, that's exactly the attitude that we're not tr- supposed to have as believers. But that was, that was immaturity on my part. Right? Uh, but if we're mature in our faith, as we mature in our faith, we recognize that whatever people are giving to the Lord, we can find a way to love them. Regardless of how different from us somebody is or how damaged somebody is who's, who doesn't yet know the Lord, Jesus still loves them and Jesus still died for them. Mature believers should embody love for one another. Right? Uh, I, I'm not, uh, I, I know anybody can be kind of a pot stirrer among other people. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of uh, sometimes enjoy doing so uh, myself. Right? You know, we, we all do. But any kind of conflict that we don't actively try to help end, I think that's, I think that's immature of us. It shows we're, 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 not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not ready to be classified as fathers. We're, we're not mature in our faith. We, have, uh, we, we used to have family get-togethers uh, with, uh, our, with our extended family. And uh, one of the things, and granted, I'm not a grandfather. I'm, I've only been a father for a few years. But you know, our, our, our family, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. You know, my grandparents, you know, they, they never split up. And you know, so when we'd get all of our family together, right, you know, my, my grandparents who were in their 80s and uh, my mom's side in the 90s, you know, there'd be, you know, 30 people around and, you know, the love that, you know, my grandfather on my mom's side and my, both my grandparents on my dad's side kind of had for everybody is something that, you know, I think that we should all kind of take notice of, right? Somebody who's a, 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 a father, a mature person, a seasoned person, right, they can love a little child and they can also love other fathers. And, you know, it kind of made me think of my grandparents. No matter how messed up some of my cousins' lives or their children, my cousins' children's lives were, right, you know, my grandparents, they were still a grandparent and just loved them to death and they, that they could essentially do no evil. Right? And, and, and I think that as believers... Right when it comes to the people of God, especially you know, we should have rose-colored glasses on for one another. Amen. Right, we 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 should be in a, a, a be ready, quick to forgive those who wrong us. There shouldn't be conflict over you know your your kid getting sick because another kid in the nursery brought uh, you know somebody brought their kid to the nursery with a boogered nose. Though I don't like it, it's pretty miserable when your kids are sick. It's, 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 not, it's not easy to not get mad at that stuff. Stuff that affects you, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us mad. But if we're going to have the love of God and if we're going to be mature in our faith, we have to look beyond those things and choose to forgive people. We find ourselves constantly annoyed at others, uh, at those who are new in their faith, the immaturity of young adults or teenagers, the choices of parents to the point where we're not loving them as Christ loves them, then we are not mature in our faith and we've deceived ourselves. We're walking in darkness. The Bi- and, and, and I'll be honest, I don't like that the Bible uses such extreme language here. Because we don't look at that as being that big of a deal. We don't look at an old commandment, something that's old hat to us, as something 
that is cause for us to be away from God. Man, I've been in church for 50 years. It's like, well, you know, maybe you can just get over that grudge, uh, of get over that thing that happened 10 years ago. Then you could talk about your maturity. Young, young, young people, right? You, you don't, everybody's not a slopwad. They're not. Every, you got your problems too. You do. And thank the Lord that people are patient with you. We should be patient with other people. Amen. New believers, that flesh still makes its, makes its way back into our lives a lot. Those natural tendencies to hold grudges and to hate people for little to no cause and to not forgive people because that's human nature. Forgive people for Jesus' sake. You were forgiven for His name's sake. You can forgive others for His name's sake too. Loving one another is not a new thing. But I think that in a room like this, because I've, 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 had, to, I've had to make some... Uh, make some things right in my own heart towards other people. I'm not saying that I'm the standard. I'm not saying that at all. But all of us have people that we can harbor ill will towards very easily. If there's anybody that you could not pray for and could not be excited for when something good happens to them, you don't love them. You don't love them as Jesus loved them. If you couldn't say that that I'm seeking to love this person, any person whatsoever in this church as Jesus loves them, you are walking in darkness. And if you think anything else, you have deceived yourself just like this passage teaches us. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness. If you hate your brother, you're going to be stumbling in your faith. It's going to cause you to go into other sins. walking in darkness and you've, uh, you don't know where you're going either. You're going to have a hard time knowing what God's will is for your life. And I don't know about you, but that's, that, that, that should be a scary thing. No matter, no matter if you have little children or if you don't have children or uh, if they're all grown up, you being unable to discern what God wants for you in your life, that's all, that, that, that can all be traced back to our lack of love for one another. That's what the passage here teaches. You read it. Read it. It says it. I didn't make any of this. I didn't make it up. If it was up to me, I would say, uh, no big deal. We, there, there's, we're all different here. It's hard to love each other. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Amen. You have love one to another. Amen. When people walk in here Sunday, I, I, I hope that they see a group of people that love each other. Not, 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 uh, not, not people giving you know, people the stink eye in the hallway because you know, their kid coughed uh, you know, three months ago. Not, not people who, who, who look at the clothes that somebody else has and just kind of have, have some envy in their heart. Oh, they, they got a nicer car than I do or they got the, they got the uh, Sunday school teaching job that I wanted. That is, that, that, those, that, that's not from God. Love one another. I hope that uh, this was a help to you. There goes the clock. But I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Pastor.